Welcome to the Bible in the News. This week, Time magazine declared Pope Francis Person of the Year. The criteria for this honor is to be the person who, for better or worse, has done the most to influence the events of the year. So according to Time, the Pope is the most influential person this year. Funny that. As head of the Catholic Church, he is officially dubbed by the book of Revelation the false prophet in chapter 16 and verse 13. Later in Revelation, the apostate Catholic system is described as that great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Revelation chapter 17 and verses 1 to 2. The waters upon which the whore sits are later interpreted. Verse 15, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So just how extensive is the influence of the papacy, biblically described as the great whore, over the entire world? What is very interesting about the Time magazine article is the spread depicting the growth of the world's Catholic population from 2006 through 2011. The following are the statistics given. South America, the highest population of 343 million, rising 6%. Europe comes in second with 286 million, rising 1%. Africa, 194 million, rising a whopping 22%. And Central America, with 164 million, rising 5%. Asia, 132 million, rising 12%. North America, 86 million, rising 5%. And what they term Oceania, 10 million, rising 9%. So the grand total of the Roman Catholic population is 1.215 billion Roman Catholics, which makes up 17% of the world's population. The Eastern Orthodox Catholicism uh, adds to this another 300 million Catholics, bringing it to a total of 1.515 billion, spread out all over the world. So we could agree with Time magazine that, for better or for worse, the Pope is the person who has done the most to influence events this year. He sits upon many waters and has influence over the greatest number of people. This is evidenced by the lineup of world leaders who are itching to have an audience with him. These have included Russia's President Vladimir Putin, and from Europe, Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel, the EU President Jose Emmanuel Barroso, Italy's Prime Minister Letta, Hungary's President Janos Ada, Belgium's Prime Minister Elio de Rupo, and Bosnia-Herzegovina's Prime Minister, Bervanda. From the Middle East, Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, who extended an official invitation to Pope Francis to visit the Holy Land in Palestine, Lebanese President Michael Suleiman, and King Abdullah II of Jordan. From Africa, Zimbabwe's Catholic President Robert Mugabe, Mozambique's Prime Minister Alberto Vakina, Equatorial Guinea's President Magboso, and President of the Congo, Dennis Nguesso. And from North America, of course, none other than U.S. Vice President Joseph Biden, himself an ardent Roman Catholic. From Asia, Taiwan's President Mao. From South and Central America, Argentina's President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. Brazil's President Dilma Rousseff. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. And Panama's President Ricardo Baracal. This is by no means an exhaustive list. He has also met with multiple religious leaders, including Orthodox Metropolitan Bishop Hilarion Alfeyev, the Russian Orthodox Church, Patriarch Bartholomew of Constantinople, Greek Orthodox Catholic, Major Archbishop 
Zvenchuk of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welbury, the English Church, Pope Twardos II of Alexandria, Coptic Orthodox Church, along with several rabbis and other religious leaders. The response from the Vatican to this prestigious award? Well, it comes from Jesuit father Federico Lombardi, head of the Holy See's press office. He says the decision didn't come as a surprise, given the great resonance and attention surrounding the election of Pope Francis right from the start of the new pontificate. The fact that one of the most prestigious awards to be attributed by the international press should go to somebody who promotes spiritual, religious, and moral values, as well as call for peace and justice in an inclusive manner, is a positive sign. As for the Pope himself, he's not somebody who seeks fame and success, because he has put his life at the service of announcing the gospel of love of God for mankind. It is pleasing to the Pope that this service should appeal uh, and give hope to men and women. And if this choice of person of the year should mean that many people have understood this message, at least implicitly, the Pope is really happy about this. Well, no wonder. For someone who isn't seeking fame and success, he is at the helm of the most powerful and dangerous organization in the world. The Apocalypse tells us in Revelation 17 verse 18 that the woman who thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Francis has been dubbed the people's pope. Time magazine applauds his advocacy for the poor. Writing of him, he can barely contain his outrage when he writes, How can it be that it is not a news item when an elderly homeless person dies of exposure, but it's news when stock market loses two points? Elsewhere in his exhortation, he goes directly after capitalism and globalization. Some people continue to defend trickle-down theories which assume that economic growth encouraged by a free market will inevitably succeed in bringing about greater justice and inclusiveness in the world. This opinion has never been confirmed by the facts. He says that the church must work to eliminate the structural causes of poverty and adds that while the Pope loves everyone, rich and poor alike, he is obliged in the name of Christ to remind all that the rich must help, respect and promote the poor. End quote. Well, has anybody looked around the Vatican lately to notice the gold, the jewels, the precious stones that adorn every nook and cranny? Never mind capitalism, Vaticanism is, has built an enormous wealthy structure on the backs of its own duped faithful. Indulgences sold to the poor duped masses who scraped together their life savings to buy a relative out of the fires of hell, financed the building of the Vatican from which the current Pope gave his Christmas message. Of course, he loves the rich and poor alike. They all pour money into the Vatican's coffers, enriching this great system. The book of Revelation tells us quite plainly that it is a woman who was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Revelation 17 verse 4. And chapter 18 continues, verse 7, How much has she glorified herself and lived deliciously? So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Well, what does the revelation mean when it says that all nations are drunk of the wine of her fornication? Surely it could not mean all nations, such as Syria, run by the raving dictator Bashar al-Assad, could it? This year, in his Christmas message, the Pope had the following to say on Syria. 
Too many lives have been shattered in recent time by the conflict in Syria, fueling hatred and vengeance. Let us continue to ask the Lord to spare the beloved Syrian people further suffering and to enable the parties in the conflict to put an end to all violence and guarantee access to humanitarian aid. We have seen how powerful prayer is, and I am happy today, too, that the followers of different religious confessions are joining us in our prayer for peace in Syria. Let us never lose the courage of that prayer, the courage to say, Lord, grant your peace to Syria and to the whole world. End quote. Well, how effective is the Pope's appeal to the parties involved? CNN and the Jerusalem Post and the Syrian State News Agency, SANA, all reported President Bashar al-Assad had sent a message to Pope Francis on Saturday, December 28, 2013, conveyed by Minister of State Joseph Swade during his, visit, his meeting with the Pope's Secretary of State, Archbishop Petro Paralin. The Syrian article stated, In the message, President al-Assad expressed the Syrian people and the leadership's appreciation of the stances of His Holiness regarding the crisis in Syria, highlighting that the crisis will be solved through national dialogue among the Syrians and under a Syrian leadership without foreign intervention. President al-Assad stressed the Syrian government's keenness on carrying out its constitutional duty of protecting its citizens, regardless of their race and religion. Following the meeting, Archbishop Perelin said His Holiness is constantly following the situation in Syria and is deeply concerned over the suffering of the Syrian people, adding that Pope Francis affirms the need to solve the crisis in Syria through dialogue among the Syrians without foreign intervention. Perelin relayed Pope Francis' salutations to President al-Assad and his prayers for peace in Syria, the cradle of civilizations and religions. So the Pope's Christmas message was responded to by Syria's al-Assad, a Muslim. The Pope has stressed the need for the Syrian crisis to be solved without foreign intervention, i.e. keep the USA out, and is apparently singing out of the same hymn book as Russia's, Russia's President Putin. Well, one is puzzled by this and has to ask, who are these players? We all know who the Pope is and who al-Assad is, but what about those at the meeting? Interestingly, Joseph Swede... Syria's Minister of State, is a Greek Orthodox Catholic, the Pope's man in Havana, so to speak. He is a member of the Syrian Social Nationalist Party, which is known to be anti-Zionist. The founder of Swede's party was a man named Sayeda, who was an admirer of Adolf Hitler, influenced by Nazi, Nazi and fascist ideology. The party adopted the reverse swastika as the party's symbol and sang the party's national anthem to the tune of Deutschland über alles, the tune of the German national anthem in Hitler's day and today. This doesn't bode well for Israel, Syria's neighbor to the south. Representing the Vatican was Archbishop Petro Parolin. He was appointed as Apostolic Nuncio to Venezuela by Benedict in 2009, where no doubt he had dealings with the soon-to-be Pope Francis. Pope Francis announced the appointment of Archbishop Parolin as Secretary of State on August 31, 2013. Formerly, he was involved in the 2007 Annapolis Conference on the Middle East, where the roadmap for peace was cooked up. It ended up being more of a road accident than a map. This, too, doesn't bode well for Israel, Syria's neighbor to the south. Archbishop Perelin's sidekick at the meeting was Archbishop Dominique Mamberti. He was appointed Secretary for Relations with States by Pope Benedict XVI in 2006. 
This post is generally seen as the equivalent as the foreign minister of the Holy See. It was this man who addressed the United Nations in September 2011 and called for a courageous decision towards the two-state solution for the Holy Land after Palestinian leaders requested full UN membership for the Palestinian state. Again, this does not bode well for Israel, Syria's neighbor to the south. Well, the Vatican's long arms have now somehow managed to reach into al-Assad's government and influence him to come to the table. Truly, the words of Revelation 17 verse 2 come to mind. The kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The Pope's interests in the Middle East were summed up in a meeting with the leaders of the Eastern Rites in November of last year where he said, Syria, Iraq, Egypt, and other areas of the Holy Land sometimes overflow with tears. We won't resign ourselves to a Middle East without Christians, who for 2,000 years confessed the name of Jesus as full citizens in social, cultural, and religious life of the nations to which they belong. Well, the wine of her fornication has a specific blend. It is frog spirits. We read in Revelation 16, verse 13, I saw three unclean fr- spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. The wine, or doctrine of Rome, is a special brand of frog grog, a papal blend of socialism that was adopted by the Vatican at the Second Vatican Council, held from 1962 through 1965. This pope is considered a socialist pope. He recently defended a charge of Marxism leveled against him following his criticism of capitalism. The pope had the following to say, The Marxist ideology is wrong, but I have met many Marxists in my life who are good people, so I don't feel offended. The promise was that when the glass was full, it would overflow, benefiting the poor. But what happens instead is that when the glass is full, it magically gets bigger. Nothing ever comes out of it for the poor. This was the only reference to a specific theory. I was not, I repeat, speaking from a technical point of view, but according to the church's social doctrine. This does not mean being a Marxist. End quote. Well, he might not be a Marxist, but he definitely is a socialist. It is this frog-spirited doctrine of the Vatican that will infect the nations of the world, leading them to conflict in the land of Israel. We read in Revelation 16:14, they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. The doctrine that Rome is enticing the kings of the earth to swallow will end up in the invasion of the Middle East by a multinational force led by Russia and followed closely behind by the European nations. No wonder when we see the kind of papal players involved in the current negotiations in the Middle East. While he may be the man of the year, though, he certainly won't be the man of the century. A man is coming who is going to turn the world on its head and will be the most influential person the world has ever seen since the beginning of creation. He will be the one who has done the most to influence the events of the planet when he comes to judge the corrupt leaders of the world, especially Catholicism. His praises will be sung across the world and in the new political heavens. We read in Revelation 19, verses 1 to 2, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven, saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. May that day come soon. For the Bible in the news, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you. 